Hello, friend. This is Taylor with an exciting and important announcement before this episode begins. For the past few years, I've gotten lots of requests from men in my courses for an in-person workshop or retreat. And I'm happy to say that this year it's finally happening in the beautiful mountains just outside of Asheville on July 11th through the 14th. And it includes a nine-week online men's group and training that starts three weeks before the retreat to help us integrate the work we're going to be doing together into our regular everyday lives. The program is called Liberate Your Life Force, and it's for any man who wants to feel truly vital and alive and liberated in his life on a daily basis in things like sex, relationships, in your family, in your business, and with your mission and purpose in life. Yes, (laughs) let's take a breath to that. I am co-facilitating this program with my good friend Thomas Duchin, and we've created this program based on our years of working with hundreds of men and figuring out some of the most effective and powerful ways to help us break through the most common ways men get blocked in life, with things like sexual shame, emotional closure and numbness, being the lone wolf, being the nice guy, difficulty receiving, and so many more ways that we hold ourselves back. The good news is we can actually work through these things and come out way stronger on the other side, especially when supported by a group of men and in-person processes that challenge you to become your best self. If this is something that sounds good to you, you can go to my website and click the retreat menu option to learn more. And know that enrollment is first come, first serve by application only, and it's limited to just 18 men, so we can have a truly powerful and tight-knit group. It's going to be profound, it's going to be fun, it's going to be challenging, and I'm so excited to share it with you and the group of men who have already signed up. So if you're interested, again, check out my website. And with all that being said, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the first episode of the second season of the Eros Rising podcast. Today, I have a really, really interesting and unique episode for you. Unlike any other episode that's been on the podcast so far, today, you are going to hear a conversation between a friend of mine and I that's really raw, honestly. Raw, authentic, vulnerable, real, kind of painful. And it's about my friend's current struggles in the realm of sex. He's struggling with premature ejaculation and all kinds of self-worth stuff and identity challenges and things that I've struggled with too and things that tons of guys around the world have struggled with, but you rarely ever hear two guys having an open, vulnerable, real conversation about this kind of stuff. And it hit me recently how beautiful I thought that could be to have a conversation like this for the sake of the conversation, but also to share it with you to kind of normalize that, hey man, like we all go through challenges in life sometimes and sometimes it can feel really fucking hard and sometimes it can feel lonely and sometimes we can really feel like we're struggling and we can really struggle, you know? And it's so easy in those times of challenge to feel like we're alone, but we're not. We're not alone. So many other people have struggled with this. So. The intention with this episode is to normalize the struggle and also celebrate some of the joys and successes along the way and along the journey to heal from these challenges. So grab a cup of tea, grab a snack, whatever you want to do, drop in and enjoy this episode. And if you like it, please let me know because I'd love to do some more episodes like this if you resonate with it. So without further ado, 
Let's get into today's episode. Good or good enough? Good enough. Ready? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Today we have a podcast that's super unique and different from all the other podcasts I've done before. I'm in my office joined by my friend Banks. Banks, thank you so much for being here today. And the idea with today's podcast is for Banks and I to have a real down-to-earth conversation about sex and some of the challenges and some of the realities of of what it is to be a sexual man in today's world. So I don't know if you want to say anything up front. Thank you so much for being here and being open to this. Mm, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I appreciate it. And this is something that I wish I would have had um, and maybe still do. And um, it's an edge for me, for sure. And um, so there's some nervousness and vulnerability coming into it, but I feel excited to see what we can create together and um, hope it can be in service for others. Yeah. Thank you. <sighs> that service piece feels really big and alive for me too here with this conversation. And it's very uncommon to hear two guys have an open and vulnerable conversation about sex. It just doesn't really happen so much for the most part in the mainstream society, mm -hmm. maybe here in Asheville <laughs> a little bit more, but usually it's like guys doing the locker room talk or like, yeah, this, I fuck this thing, da, 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 you know, the super bro vibes. But meanwhile, a lot of guys are having challenges and don't talk about it. And when we don't talk about it, it gets worse or at least it doesn't get better. Mm -hmm. So you ready to dive in? Let's go. So would you tell me a little bit about what's going on in your life right now in your sexual world? What are some of the things that you're struggling with or working on? Yeah. The, um, the first piece that comes up that feels like it's most in the way is premature ejaculation. And, um, I'm working with a sex therapist right now and it's, been it's new just a couple months in but um it's been a beautiful journey to have someone be so knowledgeable and also so supportive for me in the process um, because I carry a lot of shame in this experience um, with my partner and in the past and have kind of created a belief system about myself um, and overcoming this thing that feels so in the way of my freedom and liberation and like also like fully enjoying entering into a sexual space. Um, and another part is like when I'm in a solo sex journey with myself is a real challenge to arouse myself without porn or something like another human. Um, so that's, that's been another challenge that I feel like they kind of go hand in hand with each other. Yeah. 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 You're not alone. <laughs> I struggle with this too. And we, so the orgasmic mastery course started yesterday and we were on this call with a group of guys, a bunch of guys and asked the question, how many people have ejaculated before you wanted to? Everybody raised their hand. Mm -hmm. I've been in workshops uh, where everybody raises their hand too. And 
it's way more common than most people think. I think way more common than the 30% statistic that's out there too. Mm. But I wanted to ask you, you said that you have possibly started to create maybe a belief system about yourself with this. And I'm wondering if you could speak a little more to that. What did you mean? I don't think I've started to recently. I think it's kind of been something that's ongoing. Mm. Um, I have really just thought of myself as someone who is like broken um, and like has a tough time like pleasing women and like meeting women where they want to be met in a sexual experience. And um, it's very emasculating to who I am as a human. And um, it feels like scary at times to enter into a sexual connection, especially with a new person. Um, so there's an edge to that. Um, and what I've found often is like after moving into that and like integrating it with a partner, she still accepts me, um, which has been really, really profound. And I kind of like ride the waves. Sometimes I feel like a little more comfortable and I can be in that parasympathetic state. Um, and like, it's not like it's always there. Like it's, I'm not always ejaculating quickly, but it's often and mm -hmm. way more often than I'd like to. Um, and yeah, I think I'll start there. Yeah. The broken piece. I, yeah. I resonate with that too. Do you, would you say, I know you're working with a sex therapist now, but have you felt like hopeless about this? Have you felt defeated by it? Have you felt like or thought I'm never going to have a better sexual experience? Yes and no. Mm -hmm. um, I'm 30 right now and kind of in my early teens and 20s, I turned to substances um, because I just felt so uncomfortable entering into those spaces. And like all of my first, all of my partners, like I would either want to get drunk or take a pill or get stoned before entering into that space with them for the first couple of times because I just felt so uncomfortable with myself. And mm. um, in the past, like six years really I've started to turn to people instead and started to get more intimate close supportive relationships that really I felt comfortable like saying okay this is actually what's going on um, and so that has been incredibly impactful um, and I started like sharing it with female friends and have slowly integrated it with men and um, have just heard so much like, yeah, I, I go through that too, or I've been going through that and here's something that's helped me and just like sparking more conversations about it almost inspires me to give more attention to it. Mm. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, man, first off, Thank you for having those conversations about it because <laughs> most guys never will. And I'm happy to hear that that's been super helpful. And yeah, I just want to appreciate your vulnerability with that and your vulnerability showing up here for this conversation. 
<sighs> yeah, without seeing a list of questions first or knowing exactly what, <laughs> yeah, exactly what we're going to get into. Mm. Um, so how long have you been, has this been your whole sexual life? Has this been something that came on recently? How often or how long has this been happening? I would say my, yeah, my whole life. Um, and it's kind of waxed and waned as, as far as like the intensity of it and how much it's impacted, like who I am or th who I think I am. Um, and I've had different partners show up in different ways and in, in the sexual space. And I've, in some relationships felt more ease and been able to last longer. Um, and I've had one partner in particular where it just wasn't an issue. Hmm. Um, and I was like traveling through Asia and felt really free in myself. And um, maybe that had something to do with it. And I also think the that sexual relationship was so much different than any other relationship um she really liked and enjoyed like more physicality she liked to be hit and choked and it was a new thing for me mm -hmm. like and i'm kind of like i worked really hard to be sensitive and kind of step away from this like what i thought toxic masculinity was mm -hmm. and now I'm trying to like reintegrate my anger in a healthy way um, and learn what that is and how it can express itself and how it can actually be a contribution to my life. And um, But like exploring that with her was so liberating. And she was asking for it and really wanted it. And mm -hmm. I kind of like had to tiptoe in like, is this okay? <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know. Yeah. And um, so we got to a place that felt really good and now I'm like in my current relationship waking that back up and in, in kind of a more holistic way where I, I see my anger as a whole um, as something I want to integrate into my life and not suppress anymore um, and do it in a conscious way. Nice. That freedom and liberation piece sounds unique. Uh, sounds unique and my mind latches onto that it's like ooh, that's something you know that's something and i wonder do you think it was just the traveling that was helping you feel liberated and free during that period of your life were there other things happening too i mean obviously the exploration of the impact play and the hitting and the choking and all that stuff was probably like world expanding um yeah were there other things happening totally yeah i i like was farming um, and decided to leave that work. And I bought a van and um, drove it down to Colorado for the winter and froze my butt off and snowboarded every single day. And I, it was really lonely, actually, mm -hmm. um, but in a beautiful way. It was more like solitude blended with loneliness. Um, and I was like waking up every morning doing yoga meditating, journaling, listening to podcasts of people that were inspiring to me at that time. 
and I, yeah, snowboard all day, which I love so mm-hmm. much. And then after would go to another yoga class at the end of the day, make some food and go, go sit in the steam room um, and go to bed. And that was kind of my routine for a couple months. Um, and I think that just not being around people that I had some identity with and I was able to like really let go and that kind of helped prepare me to um, enter a new identity of who I wanted to be as I traveled. And um, that that trip really helped open me in so many ways, um, especially spiritually, which I think I kind of had like a closet spiritual identity to mm-hmm. some degree. And um, like I went to Bali and so many people were like, let's look for God. And um, <laughs> so I kind of jumped on that train um, and found found a lot of love for myself in the process um, mm. and other humans as well. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. So you'd say you're, would you identify as a spiritual person now? Yeah. Would you say that there's been any interplay between uh, what kind of what you're working on sexually right now with your spirituality at all? Yeah. Yeah, I've I've almost like in my current relationship, like entering it, I've like so much wanted it to be like a spiritual space, and um, I think I've created some pressure around like what I think that is, and mm-hmm. like wanting to get there so fast with her, and I think I'm like relaxing a little bit into my humanness as I'm especially like talking to other men about it, talking to some women about it and um, having a sex therapist. I'm like, just like taking baby steps is so helpful for me. So this like part about my anger um, feels really good to be embracing. Mm. And the shame too, like there is so much shame that in this relationship in particular, like instead of, finding a way out, I've just decided to like see how much I can embrace it with her. Um, Mm. And she's been incredibly supportive, even though it's not easy for her in the process. Um, Yeah. Can you say a little bit more about the, like the embracing the shame piece versus finding a way out? Mm -hmm. What does that mean to you? What does that look like? Yeah. Yeah, the so we waited a couple months before we actually had sex together. Um, she had another partner at the time, and um, we just wanted to move slow and physically, sexually. And um, the first time that we had sex, it like it almost like built up this big. It like set some big stage in my mind and. Um, I entered her and I, I ejaculated in like five seconds Mm. and I was just like overwhelmed with this amount of shame and we had candles lit and it was in my bedroom in a new home and it felt really good in there. And all of a sudden it felt horrible. Mm. And I like in the past when something like this has happened, I have really, found some way to like 
skillfully change the conversation. And um, this time I just sat in stillness um, and acknowledged it and told her how bad I felt. Um, it's not like the gift that I wanted to give her or myself or our relationship. And <sighs> yeah. And it's, it's a new direction for me um, to really lean into it and feel it and show it to someone. Cause at that point I'm almost like a child mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm with a woman and it's not, it's not where I want to be. Um, but I, reflecting on it, I'm seeing like, it actually really is a gift to give her that because it's not something that I've given other people. Um, mm. Yeah. And you said she's been holding that really uh, well for you, compassionately for you. Uh, yeah. Not in, he's nodding his head and <laughs> smiling <laughs> as we sit here with cups, cups of tea in my office rug for um Tulsi Rose Tulsi Rose tea yeah I'm curious what you think I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the impact like what do you think the impact of this might be on y'all's connection in terms of like her her holding this space for you mm-hmm. etc yeah and and is this an experience that has happened multiple times since then and has she continued to hold this space for you Mm, yeah yeah um it's like a handicap almost like entering our space and it's not always there Mm -hmm. you know sometimes the connection is so strong and the love is so present that it really can't get in the way um when we're in our bodies when i'm in my body and but it, it is like um, you know, like recently I, I hurt, I like hurt my toe and broke my toenail and it's like walking around, it's like moving around with a hurt toenail and like impacts my life, um, and the way I walk. And so like walking through a sexual experience, it's, it's like having a limp. Um, it's there, it's present and, um, yeah, I, like I'm learning how to engage with it in that space and um, wanting to be solid to some degree for my partner um, and also wanting to like hold this, embrace it in some way, like allow it, give it space, this part of me, um, which is kind of an inquiry for me right now. Um, And what was the second part of your question? Well, it was, it was, uh, has this happened again? Is she mm. continuing to hold this space for you? And then what do you think the impact is of her holding this space for you versus you having the experiences you want to be having? Mm. Yeah. Um, it has happened again. Um, it's happened multiple times. Um, kind of like weave in and out of it. I think some of it, can depend on like how our relationship is, how safe and comfortable we're feeling with each other. Um, 
often like when there is a lot of emotion or turmoil in our relationship, we're both not really interested in having sex anyways, but <clears throat> there's definitely like, she's very compassionate. Um, and there's moments when it really challenges her. And <clears throat> for, and for me, it's like, it's challenging to then try to hold my sensitivity. And then it almost like I create more, um, judgment about myself, more shame through that experience, like seeing it impact her. Um, yeah. It sounds almost like a, a spiral. It totally is. <laughs> a spiral. Um, yeah, man, thank you so much again for exploring this. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering how has this impacted your entire life outside of the sexual realms? And if so, how? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, <clears throat> that word emasculation comes up. Um, and I work a lot with men and try to create a, a space that says, we can be vulnerable together mm-hmm. to try to shift the paradigm um, and shift a man's relationship to his body, his emotions, and other men. And so much of what I do inspires me to lean into it. But that when I feel the emasculation, like everything in me wants to run. Um, and so I, I, I like often will look at this experience, this part of my life and say, and it's not even the whole like experience of my sexuality, but like I will come to it and I will say this little part of my sexuality, well, <laughs> I often make it so big is who I am as a whole. Mm. Um, and that, is a hard way to walk in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. What does emasculation mean to you? Love the love that question. Um I think it can bring up a few different points. Um, how I am seen is a, a really big part. Um, by yourself or by others or by others. Yeah. Like I, I almost like do the projection thing. Like I think I believe I know what they're thinking about me. Mm. Um, and I, become so small and so unworthy. I think it really comes down to worthiness for me um, and feel like I'm not someone who can be in service to life in a good way, to protect life. And I don't believe that I'm someone who can show up in support of women because I feel so broken at times. and in relation to other men and even other genders, like I 
I don't feel like solid in myself to be a brother. Um, like I say like, oh, I have this part of me. I'm broken. I'm really nothing. Um, is a story that I can get caught up in. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. In this moment, I even like just saying that it like kind of ripples throughout my body. And I just, I don't like saying that. Yeah. And I, I feel like some combination of like disgust and tenderness. And what else are you feeling in your body? Mm. Shame. Yeah. How does that feel? I like want to close. I want to shrink. Um, and like go downward, hide. Yeah, I hear that. Thanks for not doing that mm -hmm. <laughs> right now. Mm -hmm. And for those of you listening, like the intention of this conversation is not to be the therapeutic. It's mm -hmm. not to like dive into that kind of conversation, but just to be real about the experience and and what's going on. So not going to be diving into any sort of coaching type paradigms or those sorts of inquiries here. And thanks for being real about yeah. that shit. It's mm -hmm. big. Mm -hmm. Let's all take a, a deep breath. <sighs> so as we're sitting here right now and hearing what you've just shared, I'm curious if there's also some amount of hope in your system for the future or maybe a light at the end of the tunnel or something that keeps you going. Yeah, there definitely is. Um, one thing that I told my sex therapist upon meeting um, was that I want to go as far into the uncomfortable parts as I can and to bring love and attention there um, and from that place move forward into like the sex life I want to create or the life I want to create um, and so I have a belief and this kind of spreads across different areas of my life but like the more that I can lean into my shadow and open to it the more potential I have to bring love into that space and care. And that feels like a real way of changing who I am um, or becoming who I want to be. Yes. Um, and so even this is inspiration for that to really say this is who I am and um, to challenge myself to bring love into this space um, so that, that is an inspiration, um, hearing other people's stories is something that is incredibly helpful. Uh, people who have really struggled, um, 
and that could show up in different ways with sexual abuse or just any any type of shame that they may feel and overcoming and the the steps in between the hard work to getting there um so there's that and then there's also in my own life like ex- going through different phases and being in um it was like a couple months ago i was really my partner went traveling and i was really able to like drop into self pleasure and i was like so much of me was desiring her when she was gone that mm-hmm. i was really it felt just so much easier to self pleasure and um find my arousal and when she returned like it it wasn't an issue for me i felt so confident and um wasn't really like in the space of like am i going to ejaculate soon how's it going to impact her is she not going to like want to be with me after mm-hmm. it was more just like i had this like solidness in in myself i felt rooted in myself and i was really in the choice of when i wanted to ejaculate mm. um and then conflict happened in our relationship and um out comes the child can I just ask a clarifying question real quick? Yeah. Pre-conflict, did you have sex? Yeah. And you did feel like you were able to control more or less or choose when you wanted to ejaculate? Definitely. And just like so much more enjoyed the experience. I was so present for it. Mm. Um, yeah. And would you say that really taking time to be with yourself while she was gone contributed to that? Yeah. Yeah. I was like almost every day like, pleasuring myself in front of the mirror um Mm. and that was incredible like tears came um i like explored my butt for the first time Mm. um tears came then Mm -hmm. um and just like so much it's like a different relationship with myself created a different relationship with my partner that's fucking beautiful. Mm-hmm. We should cheers to that. <laughs> See if we can do it close to the mic to get the clink in there. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah. Mm. New relationship with the self transferring into the dynamic with the partner. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's huge. And I, I do want to go into the conflict piece, uh, but also just real quick, because you said something that I think a lot of people listening are like, what? You did what? What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Self-pleasure in front of a mirror. Can you like, are you looking at yourself? Like what's happening there? And why did you choose to do this? Yeah. I, um, the reason that I got there was because one morning I woke up and I was just like, so overwhelmed with shame and like, so pissed off at myself. Um, And sometimes I get in this space where I just, I went on like a frenzy of looking for something that could help me. This is actually how I found a sex therapist. I found a lot, Um, (laughs) but I probably found every sex therapist that is in Asheville, North Carolina and um, called a bunch of them. And, um, but I, 
I found on one of the therapist's websites, they had resources, and I found a TED Talks video. And one of the suggestions from, which was about sex, and I think sex and happiness and joy and confidence and shame and all of these things. She was a really great speaker. Um, But one of the things she suggested was to get naked in front of a mirror and write down things that you love about your body. Mm. Even if it's something as small as like your hair or a freckle. Um, and so I, I started doing that because I rec- I like locate a lot of the shame in my genital region. And after a couple of days of it, I felt aroused. And I just like in that moment started pleasuring myself. Mm. Um, and it was incredible. Yeah. I was looking at my body, mostly in my eyes. Um, and yeah, I just decided to continue with that. Um, and it, I didn't, wasn't doing it every day, but I was doing it most days for about three weeks. Nice. Mm-hmm. And the impact you'd say was what? I would suggest it <laughs> to anyone. Um, yeah. They're more like self-acceptance. Um, I, my body, like my relationship to my body began to grow. And even if I was just writing down things I loved about myself and not pl- like self-pleasuring, I walked away with more of an open heart. Um, and I want that for everyone. Mm. Yeah. Yum. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Uh, I think, yeah, I want to encourage everybody listening to try that too. I think those are both amazing exercises. I've never actually done the writing down the things I appreciate my, about myself while looking in the mirror, but I have done the self-pleasuring in front of the mirror and I found it to be at first very confronting and uncomfortable, honestly. Mm. And then um, slowly I was able to find the enjoyment of it and then it kind of woke up this other just primal sexual part of myself and i think so much of so much of my previous life has been like receiving external stimulation external sexual stimulation like porn and fantasy and and instagram porn (laughs) you know and like advertising porn and, and stuff everywhere but and never really taking the time to just feel this more generative internal state of arousal. And it was really fucking cool mm-hmm. to feel that mm-hmm. kind of makes me want to talking about it right now. makes me want to do it very soon <laughs> like in the next couple of days too. Uh, maybe one day we'll do a podcast during self-pleasuring. I don't know. Mm. Probably not. <laughs> um, Taylor is setting up the mirror right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Okay, cool. Self-pleasuring in front of the mirror and writing down the things you appreciate about yourself. Awesome, awesome practices. And so you had the sexual experience with your partner and then at some point afterwards, conflict happened and then did all this stuff go out the window? What happened then? Yeah. Um, There's still like a a clinging on to it. Um, cause this was about two months ago, month and a half ago. And, um, I like my system when I get really dysregulated, I'm not turned on. 
Um, at least so I think right now I'm open to that changing and have had some, like, we did have a sexual experience where I did get turned on when I was angry. And so, so that's something that I'm working on as I spoke to earlier. But, um, for the most part, like I feel very disconnected from my partner and I create a lot of stories and my body doesn't feel as open to her as it has. And so the, the desire um, to have sex isn't really at the top of the list. It's mm. more for me, like wanting to come back into comfort together, back into trust, back into love. And, um, also in that dysregulation, um, I think I like deep prioritized this, this like self-pleasuring self-love practice and, in reflection, like in this moment, I'm like, actually, that sounds really good. At least like the writing things I love about myself in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, my practices kind of shifted into like their routine, um, or, or they lessened, um, in that space. And, um, yeah, kind of going back into like seeing how like a good relationship with myself and my sexuality really impacts my relationship with my partner, my sexual relationship. And just like reflecting on this, this time, these past couple months, um, I can really see how that has impacted our sexual relationship since then. Yeah, like me not giving myself the amount of self-care that I really want. Mm. I'm curious, you said that there's a part of you that seeks to go back to comfort in connection when, when stuff happens. And I'm wondering if you see this was a curiosity that came up in my mind when you said that any conflict between the going to comfort, the seeking the comfort and the sexual charge between y'all, or do you think that comfort leads to sexual charge in your relationship? Can you, you know what I mean? Say the first part again. All right. How to say this. So if I'm understanding you correctly, there was a conflict that happened Mm -hmm. and then in some sort of repair there were attempts at repair and then you sought uh, care and closeness and comfort with your partner mm-hmm. as part of that repair process. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And then did I also hear that your like the desire for sex or your sexual experiences after that were not as uh, voracious or intense? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I get, and the curiosity is, do you think that, this is something uh, that some people have a perspective around. It's like comfort and care is like the antithesis of sexual fire Hmm. in some perspectives. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So as far as that, that recent thing you said is like, I don't know for, because I'm, this is like me in the exploration of my anger and like bringing that into our space and like 
trying to allow myself to be aggressive and more assertive and not go into the story of like the perpetrator and the victim. Um, And what was the first part you said again? Just curious about the interplay between comfort and sexual charge. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So that. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting question. And I think it's Esther Perel who says the intimacy is the killer of desire. And if you've heard that line, (laughs) (laughs) which is really interesting. And I think if I think about my own relationship, like I'm in a, my partner and I were over two years in a relationship right now. And like we, like it's just, we've been all over the place over the Mm -hmm. past years as one, as relationships go, you know, and we've had moments of extreme care and nurturing and then moments of extremely high sexual charge. And I'm not remembering times when the extreme care and nurturing was also coupled with extreme sexual charge. But I don't think that's a problem either. Like when I think of the journey of being in long-term relationship, like fuck yeah, I absolutely want to and need to be able to have like deep care and nurturing in that relationship. And I also want to be able to have high sexual charge too. Mm. So my mind is curious about this topic in general. And like, I've experienced it personally just to be a dance, you Mm -hmm. know, and like just the dance of relationship. But also we have gone through periods of extended comfort you could say like Netflix, like cuddling, eating ice cream, just because it's easy to do so. And in those extended periods, we've eventually caught ourselves and been like, Hey, actually we're not having sex. The desire is not there. Let's stop doing the comfort thing. Um, But I think that's different from moments where deep comfort and care and nurturing is necessary. Right. You know? Yeah. That's something I want to like take a look at and I appreciate you bringing take a look at in my own life and um i've kind of like realized like there's like relationship and then there's relationship when when i'm in conflict mm. and the the like heightened sensitivity and things um so the coming into comfort and care was not necessarily like so that we could be having sex again though i do want that yeah um but i like it's more to like work with the conflict that's alive. Um, yeah. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that totally makes sense. So a couple last questions here. I'm curious just to hear a little bit about if you're open to sharing, you're working with the sex therapist right now. Are you, is this is your main focus? I assume what we're talking about right now. And, and are you approaching it with like, are you learning techniques or are you going more into the deeper emotional layers around shame and anger and that sort of thing? I'm just, yeah, curious about that. Totally. Yeah. Uh, I think the, and she uses the term rapid ejaculation, mm-hmm. um, was kind of like the inspiration, uh, for finding a sex therapist. Um, So that's something I'm working on, we're working on, and also this like self-pleasuring part, which I feel like is a big part of the rapid ejaculation, like me having a tough time working with myself. Mm -hmm. And so we're exploring like what I want genuinely and 
like kind of like stepping back from being so focused on like my partner's experience, pleasuring her, what she mm. wants and what I think is right and all of these things. But to like really like allow myself to get like down and dirty with like what I want truly. Um, and to maybe let that be weird or strange to my current experience. And, mm-hmm. um, so we've like, and I'm, I'm not wanting to look at porn right now um, and haven't been for six or seven months. Um, but I have in the past like month or two looked at it a couple of times to just be in this exploration. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't like take me like it used to. Um, I've also explored like audio recently. Um, so like just listening porn Mm, more or less interesting but it's like specific it's not like just like turning off the screen and having the sound on it's like specifically for the audio since um and you can listen to like storytelling or you can listen to people engaging with each other or um and that didn't really seem to bite for me um and something else that i've never done um i have a a regular therapist, but he doesn't do EMDR, but she does. And so at our last session, we like, she like really dropped me into what EMDR is and how we can use it to almost like take a memory or a belief that I have about myself. So we're like going to get to the core of this like premature ejaculation Mm -hmm. thing. And like dissect it as much as possible and then do EMDR and see if I can recreate a new story around that. And Mm. at least that's my understanding. Um, and I feel so excited to be doing that and just to have that opportunity. Awesome. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah. I've been curious how a sex therapist would approach this sort of a thing. I'm not a sex therapist. <laughs> I'm not a licensed anything for the record. Uh, someday, probably, mm-hmm. maybe. I'm not sure. Mm. Um, but also for the sake of transparency in this conversation, like part of this conversation is uh, is going to be an exploration and we're going to do a follow-up conversation maybe 10 to 12 weeks from now. And you're going through this round of the Orgasmic Mastery course. Mm-hmm. So in addition to this sex therapy stuff that you're going to be doing, um, you have this 10 week journey coming up. It's started yesterday, but really gets started this Sunday. And I'm so curious to have, and excited to have another conversation with you in Mm -hmm. like three months, Mm -hmm. because I really do believe in these practices too. And I'm, yeah, they've changed my life Mm -hmm. and I'm, yeah, I'm stoked to be friends with you too. And Mm -hmm. just like, just share in the goodness of it all. Yeah. Um, So that's, that's part of what's happening here too. So you can expect a follow up conversation and a real conversation too. Like I'm not gonna, I don't want you to sugarcoat anything or quote unquote market anything. Mm-hmm. Like I want you know, more just real vulnerable conversation like this. Like this is so valuable to me and I think will be really impactful to other people's lives too, just to hear your story. Like people can so relate to story and I so relate to so much of what you said. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm curious if there's anything else that feels alive or up for you to share right now to to close with yeah um 
first thing I want to say is just um, it's sweet to be in connection with you and to get this opportunity to explore these two conversations with you and to just like feel your belief in what you're doing and what you've created. And so I just like honor you for um, your vulnerability in this and being willing to like take a risk with me and um, with your work. And so I just like have a lot of reverence for that. And um, also really want to speak to other men um, and just say like whatever you're going through in your sexual journey um, if there is some some like little tiny grain of hope um, I invite you to just nurture that as much as possible um, because I, I just I so know the shame and the darkness that um, can be walked through and carried in, in our everyday life um, around sexuality. And there's so much going on in the world that's um, telling us stories about ourselves. And um, I believe that like the more that we can gather together in authenticity and vulnerability, um, the more that we can really change culture together. Um, so I invite you into that. Mm. Yes. Let's all take a deep breath to that invitation. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Thanks. Thank you so much mm. for showing up here, for showing up for everybody listening. Thank you if you're listening right now to this conversation. If you like this episode, if you got anything out of it, shoot me an email or an Instagram message. Let me know that you like this kind of episode. I'd love to hear from you and stay tuned for a follow-up interview in about 10 to 12 weeks. (laughs) Thank you so much. I will see you all next time. Peace. Peace.